0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This time we Review 2-ing, you two live at Glastonbury.
1: Now this is a real surprise.
0: What would you have started with? It looks like a scarecrow coming to life. Two middle-aged men prattling about.
1: And the weather didn't help them out.
0: Tyler's available for kids' parties, <laughs> stand-up, ba <laughs> Myself
1: and Johnny have got an announcement.
0: Why don't they employ us? Maybe because we are out of control, Tyler.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Review 2, the U2 podcast. My name is Tyler, here with me as always is Johnny. Say hello Johnny. Hello. We are two bespectacled U2 fans, we love talking about that too. And today we're going to talk about U2 live at Glastonbury 2011.
0: Yeah, so there's quite a long build-up to U2 playing at Glastonbury. And a few speed bumps along the way. Bono sustained a back injury, which meant that they had to cancel their performance, which was scheduled... To occur and they had to be filled in for by gorillas. I think that was 2010, and fans weren't wholly disappointed that year. Although, obviously, if that had been a time when we'd have booked to see them, it'd be very annoying to have our favourite band kicked off the kicked off a list just for an injury. Although, obviously, like I'm not suggesting that Bono should have turned up, you know, in a in like a full body cast and just tried to do what he could do anyway. Well, it seemed
1: to be like uh, an exclamation point on okay, you two have never performed at Glastonbury. Maybe they'd never been offered to play Glastonbury, but it, they seem to be one of those few upper echelon bands in the British scene, Irish scene at least, that have ne- that had never played it. So it, it was a bit of a, can you two do this? It did have a question mark against it. Mm. And once it got announced, then once Bono got injured, it was kind of like, eh, well, should this happen? And I... I, I, I Think, I don't think of U2 as a Glastonbury-type act. No,
0: not at all. Uh, for good reason, as we'll see in this episode. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. Anyway, um, as I said, my, uh, fans were not wholly disappointed, though, because Edge turned up and played with Muse. They played Where the Streets Have No Name. Tyler, we just re-watched that a little bit. What, any, any thoughts in general? I thought it was good. I liked it.
1: The guitar, drums, and bass sound incredible.
0: As as does Matt Bellamy's voice. I think he sounds good. Mm. Well... With him
1: wailing... It's one thing when Bono wails all over that song, right? Mm-hmm. And I would describe that as glorious and majestic wailing. Yeah. Uh, I would describe Matt Bellamy's
0: wailing as basically like harpooning an actual whale. <laughs> A crime. <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. I, I liked it. And I, I really liked the fact that Edge bothered to turn up. I think Muse are very humble. They didn't try and Muse up the song. They were very respectful... And it just looked great. Eds looked like he was having a decent time, and I actually got more chills. I think I've I've enjoyed watching that performance of those guys playing that than some of the songs that are played on U2's set of playing Glastonbury. I think I'm going to say up top right from the start, people might be a bit annoyed with me throughout this review. Actually, this watch last night, that I did last night is probably the roughest watch of this that I've done. We, I mean, just to put in context our history with this gig, U2 last week, we watched this live, didn't we? We did. Uh, quite a lot of friends
1: as well turned up to watch that. Not necessarily big U2 fans. Yeah, and they were converted. we can make things seem like an event.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think people probably were, were enthused because we were enthused. Mm. And that can be contagious, even with numbskulls like us. And it felt like... I was off the radar with U2 as well when this happened. Like, oh, this is during your dip. This was yeah, certainly
1: during my dip after No Line on the Horizon, like mm. and no new album on the horizon. Um, the the I'd I'd seen them live two years previous at at Sheffield. Yep. So my album cycle was over, and
0: I wasn't really listening to that album. Yeah. So. But because this was a huge event, I think we were we were very excited for it. We didn't know what sort of thing they would do at Glastonbury. What what would the set be? What would it be like? Would it be a continuation of the three hundred and sixty stuff, or would it be something where they were going to treat it like its own mini event, its own miniature thing? You know, yeah. the, because this is even though it's clearly a extension of the three hundred and sixty tour in some ways, it is also its own thing. They've not got the claw to fall back on. They've not got their own stuff to fall back on. There's
1: nothing to hide behind it with this gig. Mm. Wh- and Which is a
0: problem at times.
1: A, the weather didn't help them out. No, we'll get to that. Uh, it seems to be at times of great crisis in, in U2's career, the weather can either make or break them, like the torrential rain at Red Rocks. Yep. Really helped that gig. Yep. It made, made people feel like they were in on an intimate, secret gig. And... Uh, I'm glad I'm here, I'm I'm lucky to be here because some people couldn't make it and couldn't get there that night Mm. it's a similar condition in terms of torrential rain every time there's a shot of the crowd they all look like absolutely drenched lemmings and I feel sorry for people in that crowd it's Glastonbury something you've looked forward to you two at Glastonbury, such a rare occasion such a rare headliner Mm. it's not Coldplay for the 104th time (laughs) It is... although they had played that weekend well they were about to play that
0: weekend as well yeah the,
1: the night after that you mm. two did the friday night yeah and um it's it, it just there was this gig it seems like everything that could possibly
0: go wrong you know did or nearly did but not in a i mean if you listen back to our red rocks episode not in a sort of heroic amazing way where it all added up to something glorious it, it's it just kind of dampens things. So I've got a quote here from Literally. from Bono. He says, yeah. <laughs> he says there were a couple of things, only a couple. Uh there was a DJ under the stage playing music in between sets and he bumped into our keyboard computer. So we lost all the keyboards. I walked out and realised the stage was like an ice rink and was wearing the wrong shoes. <clears throat> I assume the the regular platforms that he was anyway. I couldn't move. I was stuck on the spot. We were a bit freaked out. So I think those are some of the key things. And that is something that really you can tell something is off from the from the start. I mean, I don't want to go straight ahead to the set, but um, there is a, I, something I think is the, off.
1: This show starts, and there is an invisible wall between you two and the audience. Something's mm-hmm. not quite connecting. Whether they n- manage to knock down that wall throughout the course of the evening, we'll find out. Um, we normally do like a stage, a, a, a stage set swag mm-hmm. kind of deal yeah uh if we do the swag first I'm just gonna jump to Adam Clayton yeah, why on. has he come dressed as a milky bar <laughs> it's all beige not white it's all beige like it, mm. that that, it, that man at that point could be described as being the most beige person on the planet and he describes to play Glastonbury wearing nothing but beige
0: is, is he having a laugh it looks like a spacesuit to me I've put it looks like he's wearing like a I don't know. Yeah, it's like a karamak colored space suit. Yeah. It's weird. With it's large, horrible. large trousers. It's the
1: worst he's ever looked.
0: Well, I don't think that's true. At least It looks like he's thought about it and thought, right, I'm going to go for something a bit snazzy, if beige. You know, light. Yeah. At least it's it's better than his elevation, I'm just going to do a bit of grouting around the bathroom sort of like look, where he's just <laughs> wearing any old jumper he can find. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, how do you feel then about, um, well, speaking of predictable... Larry is wearing... Oh, jeans and white t-shirt. Yeah, although it is a white t-shirt <laughs> that's got like a little bit of button effect and epaulets and stuff on, so it's... Oh, he's gone all out. Yeah, slightly more interesting. <laughs> um, Edge, uh, we'll save Bono for the last, Edge is wearing a leather overshirt. It's not a jacket and it's not a shirt. It's like a leather shirt. Yeah. Which I can't see... Maybe it's comfortable, but my understanding of leather is that it's too cold in cold weather and too hot in hot weather. And if you're on stage... Maybe in the rain. It depends rain. what
1: lining you've got.
0: Well, I don't know, yeah. You never, never
1: owned a leather jacket, have you?
0: No, and I think I think at 33 I'm, I'm past owning it now. Like, I don't think I can... I think... Can you buy your first leather jacket at that age? Of course you can. And not make it seem like a midlife crisis?
1: No. Yeah. I want to go for like the more James Dean kind of style leather jacket. You know, the proper biker jacket next. mm and I've never had that style. So I, I have the same anxiety, but it's because I'm buying a different style of jacket. Yeah. And my wardrobe is beginning to look like it's shared with Bono and Kelly Jones. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's not Short rock stars. Not but leather. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, the edge, his beard on this is his goatee, looks too big.
0: You know, you said this, and like I usually notice things about the edge. He looks exactly the same. His no, usual beard to me. usually
1: looks more trim, uh, like like shorter, um, not not as you know thinner. In, in, but it, it, it's kind of like he reminds me of King Théoden in, in um, Lord of the Lord of the Rings.
0: Are you making a Lord of the Rings reference every week now? <laughs> I, I don't think I've done it recently. We talked about it. We definitely talked about it on one of them because I was talking about making fun of not knowing the names of the. Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. I think it was on the new episode. Anyway, um, right. So the man, the man himself, Bono. Um, he, now he had had a back injury recently. Mm. He's not looking in the best shape that he's ever looked.
1: I remember thinking that, but having rewatched this, I I he's in much better shape than I remembered him being in. Yeah. Okay. And I think you might be projecting hit the fact that he can't move so much because of the aforementioned ice rink on him suddenly turning into a bit of an old man I just with think, a bad back.
0: I think also, like, yeah, I think I think things a lot of things add up to him not looking as dynamic as usual. I think he looks great over the 360 tour. There's moments where he looks fantastic. I just think he, that combination of those particular leather pants, that leather jacket, that I don't that like the leather bent, pants. He'd have yeah. been
1: better served with jeans.
0: <laughs> and why yeah. is he always going to be in black? Well, that's because it's slimming, that's why. And it makes you look tall.
1: Well, I think the boots do that.
0: Well, good job he got them on, although they were the wrong kind of boots. Uh, yeah, yeah, the
1: wrong kind of trousers. Um, right, okay. So the set—it's a—it's—it's a, it's the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. Most people—the stage, yeah. It, yeah, most people have. The same setup, and I think the Evis's want that to be the case. Everybody that plays there plays the same stage. It's not like Download Festival where ACDC can suddenly have a really big walkway all the way into the crowd that Mm. most of the bands aren't allowed to use all day. Yeah. And I agree with that. I agree that it should be democratic. Yeah, it's the same stage for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Elton John or Adele or Paul McCartney or U2 you all have the same stage. However, I think Coldplay did have a special stage one year. Mm. But this is it's Coldplay's resident gig, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, more or less. Um yeah, I, I think the stage is it's not very there's not very much to talk about really. I mean considering on this I mean this is a continuation of our of our live season where we go into loads of detail about you know Popmart or 360. It's just a big stage really essentially with a bit of video reinforcement. I guess the most similar thing you could say it looks like is it's got a bit of a Zoo TV vibe in places because there's big tellies.
1: That's because they've looked at the stage and go, okay, so what can we do to make this look more U2-y? <laughs> yeah, that's about
0: it. Big screen at the back. Yeah, exactly. They can't do much more than that. Um, And yeah, it, it, I think this... I like seeing you 2 play on a, on a straight stage, for want of a better phrase, almost as much as I like them doing something wacky like Zoo TV because it means they do get to say, look, they, they, we're just four guys with musical instruments and we're going to be playing this straight down the line. And then you have to bring the songs and you have to bring the dynamism and the confidence. And those are things that at some points are lacking in this. Yeah. As I said, I'm trying to, I feel like I'm stepping on eggshells here because
1: No, they are out of the comfort zone certainly. Yes. And I think for not any, in a good way. For anyone that's watched as much YouTube as we have. Mm-hmm. And so I everybody listening to this podcast. Yeah. It's a rough listen because you can very easily tell something's not quite right on the level here. Mm. Something's a bit off and identifying exactly what that is. I think it, there's a lot of contributing factors mm. that, that add up to this general feeling. Um, and it's, it's kind of a shame that it was, if it had been sunny that day, if it had been warm, it would have been improved, you know, so yeah. much. The rain has a lot to answer for in this, but it's not the only thing wrong. Yeah.
0: Um, and there are mixed reactions to this gig. There are some people who were always just going to hate it. So there were I've, I looked online and there's some articles saying that like, oh you two um, spoiled a, a weekend which was going to be great. I had Beyonce and Coldplay and you two ruined that. The Guardian weirdly enough, when I look back, and give it four out of five stars, which I was not um, not expecting. And um, the Guardian columnist wrote, "It finds them at the fiercest and most urgent, the edge wrenching bolts of noise from his guitar during until the end of the world." One and where the streets have no name, usually preserved for the finale of their touring set, follow. It's a lean, combative, front loaded set calibrated to win the unconverted at their first festival show since the 80s. You can't persuade everyone, of course, but it's good to see a band this big taking nothing for granted. I agree with some of that, and I think they really did try to win over people. I thought they thought, not everyone's going to like us. We are somewhat of a controversial band in some respects. We'll get to that as well in a minute or two. So I think they were trying, but I also don't think they were at their fiercest and most urgent. I think they were, at some point, at the most scared and bewildered that I've seen you 2 on stage. In, and this is also something that's been curated on the fly by, uh, I think, Declan Loney's the name of the guy who does it. Did you look at this? The guy who, like, produced it? No. Who directed it? I didn't. I, oh, God, I'm going to say his name wrong. I think his name's Declan Loney, and he's someone who's done big things... He's done Ted Ted Lasso uh, recently. He did uh, he directed Alpha Papa. So he can clearly you know, has which I love. which I love is a great film.
1: I, yeah, I think it's a great film. It's just it's funny it it, it it gives him no credentials to do a U two concert.
0: I, but you might have had other credentials doing other things. I've not looked into it in a massive amount of detail. But the point is, this is not the curated sweated over production shot by shot which we've seen for other shows you know where, like where no we it went out, it went out live yeah it went out live which is yeah. very difficult to direct and that means you c- that some of the shots which we'll get to are n- not as good as they would be if exactly the same performance had been given but it had been edited in a different way the editing is good here it's, it's solid you know
1: some well something that comes across all the way through this is you two are trying yeah. they're really trying and in 2011 U2 two did not need to play Glastonbury. No. And Glastonbury didn't need U2 to play. You know, it was it was a challenge, it was something new and something different. The 360 tour was I think at the time the best-selling tour of all time. Yeah. They were still doing that. They were selling out arenas and stadiums all around the world. They didn't need to do it. So if you've just stumbled across this podcast and you're not a U2 fan, maybe you just love Glastonbury. Maybe you're missing Glastonbury in these fallow years or these years off, whatever mm. this year is classed as. U2 didn't need to do this. But they did it. They played to a crowd that wasn't necessarily their audience mm. and they, I think they put their best foot forward.
0: Yeah, I think I also... We are going to have hold this to a different standard, and U two is not playing a gig to even its regular fans here. You know the usual mix of hardcore fans and people who turn up because oh, U two, I'd like to see them at some point. Mm. This is a Glastonbury performance, therefore there is going to be a very, very diverse fan base. Well, you know, base of people in, in watching various states of consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Um, some <laughs> elevated,
1: some not. Um, now, U two are a great band live, but one of the few, one of the things you don't really see it you two gigs are people completely off their head on drugs
0: no maybe a bit glastonbury a bit drunk on guinness but i understand
1: that. one or two of the people that go are quite
0: fond of um the old wacky backy to say the least <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's a, it is a different set and i think i think they do succeed in winning them over by you know by a certain point in this gig it's just that this is not the kind of gig that is for you and i really necessarily also, let's talk about the extreme um, end of people not wanting to U2. So, members of Art Uncut, an offshoot of the larger direct action group UK Uncut, complained that ten guards during um, the gig had heavy used heavy-handed tactics um, during the gig when they had to remove the twenty-foot inflatable banner emblazoned with the legend you pay tax two question mark so these were protesters who you know about this yeah 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 so protesters who they unfurled an inflatable banner which i didn't catch it i mean they managed to avoid it on the um or at least i didn't see it on the
1: i imagine there's a tape delay of at least 30 seconds so they can just cut to a different camera yeah exactly
0: yeah and and to sort of things like that but i didn't notice anything even to do with that i saw pictures of it in the paper the next yes, day. Yes, I did too. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem like this made a massive impact, but it is certainly a notable thing about the gig, which we can't not talk about. Um, one of the protesters had her finger broken during the scuffle and complained that the the, the people, the guards were were too violent. Now, obviously, these are not. It's not like you two appointing the guards and saying, you know, get her, break her finger or it's something. Bono's like henchman, that. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All wearing like matching
1: shades. Is it true that Bono is the um, the the bad guy in the next James Bond film?
0: Uh, i don't think so that would be very weird casting but couldn't be worse than uh inspector i'm
1: going to never t- pay tax and take over the world <laughs>
0: he's got an interesting accent in this one yeah, he, he's pointing it on yeah. fair enough um yeah so i thought we should, we should talk about this i don't really know what there is to say about it i mean i am sympathetic particularly people being being beaten up and having muscle used on them i don't think that's a particularly nice thing but i also think it's a relatively bad plan to draw t- attention to something and i but i also feel like i have sympathy i have sympathy obviously with you too because i like them because i'm my favorite band but i also have sympathy with people who think they should pay more tax because i think they should pay more tax personally yeah. speaking so it's it's a kind of thorny issue but i don't really know what to say about it yeah
1: i mean i think i think it's interesting most people that are uh you know, campaigning for people to pay more tax are the people that actually want to pay less tax themselves
0: I don't want to pay less tax. I think I pay the right amount.
1: I'd be I'd I'd, I'd be I'd happily take a, 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 the tax cut.
0: Yeah, but then <laughs> but then you wouldn't have stuff to use. Like if everyone did that. Well, you know. Well, anyway, there we go. I mean, like I said, I didn't think there was going to be a particularly interesting conversation about that. But there we go. Um, yeah. I'm on you two side. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. And also, I'm not not—I'm not trying to say they're doing anything illegal. I'm just saying that they have creatively sorted out stuff so they can pay quite a small amount of tax, whereas I think it'd be better if they paid more. That's also taken into account they throw millions of pounds and generate lots of money for charity. And I know that there's people who've written entire theses on um, issues like this. Mm. I'm, I think there's whole books about this particular issue. I've not read them. I don't understand the complexities, and I'm sure I'm winding up people on both sides mm. of the of the barrier. But it had to be mentioned.
1: I don't think you two are the worst at it. I use Amazon all the time, and uh, well, they seem yeah. to be guilty of sin from all by all accounts. We're all but hypocrites. I almost daily buy something on Amazon Prime, so I'm I, I'm just as bad as everybody else, yeah, really.
0: I, I've used Amazon, and and then like moments later, I've seen an article with Doctor Evil himself blasting off into space on his enormous penis, and you just think, what is this world? But there we go. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, now yeah.
1: If it's something completely different. So before we get into the gig, uh, myself and Johnny have got an announcement. Um, We're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> who? who? Uh, I'm, too many questions. Anyway, <laughs> so we can't guarantee what's going to happen in the future. But right now, as of today, I am of the firm belief that this is the final episode of Review 2. Mm-hmm. I think Johnny would have stopped doing Review 2 a good year or two back. Only one. Um... <laughs> Once we'd kind of done the albums and the tours, uh, we tried to find something in Tummel. And a lot of you did uh, follow us, and we really appreciate that. And it's been a lot of hard work, but we have enjoyed everything. Mm-hmm. However, even just bringing out one episode a month now has become a bit taxing. Um, our lives have changed quite a lot in the last five years. We've loved being a part of the wider community. We've loved sharing our passion with you and having you share your passion with us. I don't know what's going to happen. If, if in six months there's something new to talk about, or oh, there's a new album or a new tour announced, I don't know if we'll be able to shut up. I don't know if we'll be able to resist doing another episode. But as of right now, this is it. This is the final episode of Review 2 and of Tummel. Um, And we just want to say thank you very much for joining us. We're going to try our best to celebrate Glastonbury and celebrate Review 2, Um, but hopefully we can continue to give you some memories and some laughter uh, about something we're all very passionate about. So other than that, thank you very, very much for being with us for the last five years.
0: Yeah, I can only echo what what Tyler said. I mean, this really hit home when I realized it has been like five years of doing this and they don't have that many albums. So obviously when we started doing stuff to extend this, we started looking at live DVDs. I was thinking, are we just beating a dead horse here? And, whether or not the, the horse was dead, it was very enjoyable to beat for that for that long. I listened back to um, the Red Rocks episode and a couple of the other live ones and really enjoyed going back through this, through uh, through all the live stuff. And it felt like we were genuinely getting stuff across that was interesting and people responded to. I'm so thrilled and so surprised that anyone came with us really for any of the tumble things because you guys are generally a U2 audience. You like U2 and you might not like a lot of the stuff that we, we've we covered on Tummel, But it just feel like we've, we've, it, we've probably run a course with that. The only thing I wanted to say at the end is if you want to just send us a message as we're finishing up, um, you can send that to our email address. We always talk about this at the end of the episode, but it's probably a silly thing to leave right to the, the very end because people obviously, once you start hearing the do-do-do-do, you probably turn off, you know, which is fair enough. Which is
1: a shame because it's a really good outro.
0: Oh, it's a lovely outro. <laughs> um, yeah, so that email address that you can get in touch with us just to say anything even if we're just even if it's just cheers or or anything that you think we've missed or or whatever um and it's nice to hear from people all over the world you know it's- and we really
1: do we really do hear from people all over the world uh japan all over america south Australia, america uh, all over europe france here in the uk ireland Spain. of course.
0: It's naming countries now. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Portugal, um, uh, Australia. It's, it's kind of hard to mention a place that we haven't heard from over the past five years, which is really, really cool. And you've all been so wonderfully kind, and we've had so few... Um, people criticizing us. I
0: don't think we've ever had someone being like, "You guys are terrible, please stop." <laughs> what Apart from our friends. <laughs> oh yeah, and our friends. Yeah, th- that's fair enough. But um, I think it's usually just been, "You wallies you got this wrong," or "Don't you know about that?" And we're like, "Oh, of course." And it's more that than than anything negative. So yeah, it's it's great. Um, what's that? What's that email address?
1: Uh, so yeah, if you do want to get in contact, we are still alive. We're still going to be here. Me and Johnny are still friends. Uh, we will still <laughs> talk about you too. It's uh, the 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 podcast is uh, sorry the email is review2contact@gmail.com can't say i'm going to reply straight away but we do always reply in a yeah. semi timely manner
0: or just or just dm us on twitter obviously we will be checking those things as we go forward but obviously with, not with the incredible regularity that we usually have yeah yeah all right so is that it are we going to get in right into the track by track
1: that's it so uh, if we uh, if we've not destroyed the mood enough yet stick with us and we'll try some more with glastonbury 2011
0: so we see some beautiful damien hurst artwork come up on the video screens we hear a big swell and even better than the real thing a remix version kicks in that's what they decide to open with now i really like the whole Setup of this, I think the Hearst Prince, which was specially commissioned, apparently it's the first time anyone had seen them apart from Damien Hearst himself. I assume. <laughs> um, they were the ones that turned up. I imagine the band had seen them so. quite possibly, yeah. Um, maybe
1: William Willie, Willie Williamson.
0: All right, fine, but the majority of people hadn't seen them at that time. Paul McGuinness and... <laughs> anyone else, Brian Eno, probably, probably Brian as well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so some of the cows in Damien Hearst's uh, <laughs> workshop before they were slaughtered. Um a few yeah. by. Yeah, Um just everyone really <laughs> <laughs> so these exclusive art prints uh, which are very colourful very bright I think they work fantastically I think this is one of the few, few things that they got really really right I think they, it was a, the perfect thing to capture that mood to try and bring a few people into the U2 fold and say look we're not just these um, sanctimonious knobheads we're also not just Joshua Tree black and white rattling home. this is going to be bright vibrant you, a lot of you guys like dance music. Let's do a dancey remix of a song which had a which had yeah. a big life in the dance um, community. But the first thing you see is Larry, you know,
1: boom boom, 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 and I think I mean that that I love seeing that, and I love it when Larry's drums are really beefed up. But there seems to be a trend in U two's career where at moments of great significance it is Larry that you see first, it's not Bono or the Edge or Adam. Obviously well, it would never be Adam. <laughs> but... <laughs> Hello everyone <laughs> I'm wearing a beige suit. <laughs> You, are the basis of the drummer. <laughs> um, they would be. It's. It seems to be Larry that you see first, and Larry who's driving it home. And it, I think it's very telling that Larry's the first person you see mm-hmm. of u two at Glastonbury.
0: Other moments that back up that theory, um, Joshua Tree tour. Yes, of course. Yep, I'm, I'm asking you for more of them. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> plenty. You yeah. Can't people, think about. people listening to this. No, no, you too. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. We well, good, and good job. I thought of some of these. Yeah, but
1: you know, people listening to this know you two really well, so I don't need to, you know, you know, Fair enough. drop my drawers and show my workings.
0: Please don't do that, <laughs> even on the last pod. <laughs> um, yeah. Now the thing is, I like this version. They've done versions of it um, since, and I, I think this is a really smart reworking of the song. However, because that keyboard computer was bumped into. There is a real wobbliness that I think, I don't want to sound really stuck up or pedantic, but I can tell that something is off. Edge is off. Larry's not syncing up with him the way he would normally do. And it's pretty much only right at the start, after the build-up, that they actually sink in and and go, right, this is the rhythm that we're playing into. This is a tempo. It's it's really off. I
1: think it works, though, because Glastonbury's kind of a rough-and-ready gig, isn't it?
0: No one in the crowd is going, Poor, the tempo's a bit bad here, <laughs> but I notice it and it becomes even more glaring every time um, I listen to this and it kind of ruins what should be a great opening for me. It's it's really only when Bono starts singing that they go, right, th- this is how we're going to play this song now. And yeah. it's not even their fault. It's really not their fault. Add to that, Bono is static as hell because, as he says, it's like an ice rink and he's wearing, for some reason, he's wearing clogs or something. Um <laughs> And it it, it it basically it adds up to a, a bit of a shaky start. Although I do like the kind of meta commentary of Bono saying, Give me one more chance, um, and I I'm gonna make you sing. That seems like a, a good opening statement from this thing. Give me a chance, give us a chance, and Glastonbury, we will make you sing, god damn it.
1: Yeah, well, Unfortunately, whether the crowd is singing or not, you can't hear it because still at this point the BBC sound was awful, and they did sort it out eventually, but it was awful for such a long time. Do you mean General Glastonbury coverage? Yeah, I remember watching Glastonbury years before this and just going, the sound's just not right. Mm. You know, because I'd, I'd be watching like editors do a day set or something like that, yeah. and it and it just
0: it was never quite where it should be. Do you think that's just because everyone has to change really quickly? Um, Whereas if you're watching a U2 gig, they're setting up for three bands tops.
1: I, I think I think most of the time when you're watching a BBC thing, it's people that aren't usually covering live music.
0: <laughs> How insulting! Kiss yeah. that BBC job oh, goodbye.
1: Oh, what that that was on offer. <laughs> yeah, um, but if so, people do want to get in touch. But yeah, but you yeah, you couldn't um, you couldn't hear the crowd at this point, and there there are times when you can, and there are times when you can't throughout the gig, and it's a bit frustrating for me because that's how you judge if they're doing a good job or not. Mm. And if you can't hear the crowd, well, there might as well not be a crowd there. Yeah. Um, And they don't even like showing the crowd too much. But the bits that you can't hear, I actually think the crowd were really into this.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, they are. I had to
1: change headphones a few times just to see if I could actually pick any, you know, any, any of the crowd up. I don't know how many people are there. I don't know if it's a hundred thousand people, but there might as well have been ten because uh, the amount of microphones the BBC had on them.
0: Mm. There's not a huge crowd sound. I agree with that. I will say, um, in recent years though, that's definitely turned around. I think the best sound. Oh yeah, it's set, great
1: now. But, but somebody must have had the same opinion that I had for years ago. And well, sorted
0: it. I, I, you want know I mean, guys? Can we not just? Sound we all should good. be
1: better at this,
0: because we're the BBC. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we be a bit better? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I would say the the Cure's recent set at Glastonbury, most recent set.
1: Oh yeah, that's phenomenal. It, yeah,
0: it, and I, I I really like the Cure. I think the Cure are great, but I'm not saying that they had the best. They played the best set ever. I'm just saying the sound was so good. Um, yeah, yeah. really good. So yeah, they have sorted that out. Um, poor song to start with. No, I think it's, I think it's a really good song. I think really. People Glass- know...
1: You two at Glastonbury.
0: Well, what would you have started with?
1: Nothing from uh, Actung Baby.
0: What are you talking about? It's one of the most iconic albums ever.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's great on the record. But in a live setting, they struggle with it.
0: Uh...
1: And I... I, I, I honestly, I'd have come on, if you're going to play Streets early, I'd have come onto Streets. Let's get this gig kicked off in a massive way.
0: Nah, because it's, it's opening with Streets, it's too... It's too... Streets is too solemn of a song. I know it's a big, like, glorious song, but it's too solemn. Like this is this is them coming out saying, "Look, we've not got sticks up our asses. Let's do a dancy, fun, exciting version of a
1: song." Jerry Seinfeld always says once he found a really good f- bit to finish on, and then he perfected that bit, that that finishing end joke, that mm-hmm. he would then start the next set with that joke, yeah. so that he had to push himself to make every other joke as good as that first one. Okay. A- and I and I think they should have gone in with Streets, and then the, for the rest of it they've got to go, right, now we've really got to prove ourselves. I understand what they were doing with the tribute to Acton Baby, I get that, but I don't think it needs to come right at the start, and I think it... Mm-hmm. This gig does kick off eventually, but it. I think this, this nullifies it for a little bit.
0: I I think it's, I think it's a really good vibe. I just think that the other stuff messed it up. I mean, I guess what you're saying as well. And this
1: is, is a U2 crowd. Great, great way to start a gig. We'd mm-hmm. be amazed at, at like five songs from Acton Baby, kicking it off.
0: Well, yeah, I was I was happy at the time, and but also you got to remember this. These are all songs that were on that quite. Well selling singles edition as well, the best of sort of thing. So, 20 years ago, well, it's still those people, people aren't
1: at Glastonbury, the, the kids are at Glastonbury now.
0: Well, Glastonbury has a, a wealth of different ages, you know. I expect to go uh, there when I'm not because
1: we, we, we don't really like that kind
0: of thing. Uh, I'm just too much of a like a I couldn't wet co- lettuce I, with camping, I, think. I couldn't
1: cope with the uncleanliness. Yeah, well, they, well I'd love to experience Glastonbury if it was like proper VIP and I could sleep in a bed that night.
0: Well, save up and you could get a, a, a little thing. Um, <laughs> a, little, a little what? <laughs> like a bed, you know, camper van, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was too ambiguous, I agree. Um, yeah, uh, this was also how many years since Acton Baby? Was it 20-year anniversary of Acton Baby? Yeah. Yeah, and now we're 10 years on from this Glastonbury performance, aren't we? Yeah, so uh, just to put everything in context. Right, so then we jump right into the fly. Bono picks up a guitar. I have no understanding why, um, because...
1: Because it's a great guitar, and they just made it for him.
0: The, the guitar's quality is not in question. It, the the it, point of it is it, in, in question. It's a Gretsch
1: Fender Hybrid Tele. <laughs> <laughs> right, and mm. these, these things are quite rare, and that one, I think there's only two or three in the world, and they're all made for Bono. Mm-hmm. And it's a spin-off of the Goalie Soul, Hollow Body, yes. Gretsch, Electromatic. Are
0: they all made... S- not Electromatic, with... Falcon, obviously. Are they all made with volume that only goes up to zero? <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> no,
1: you can hear Bono on this. You, you can... really yeah, you, you can... really can. You
0: can actually a little bit, but it sounds bad. <laughs> it sounds awful. <laughs> it's
1: weird that it's in this show, that this is the first time in 45 years you can hear Bono's guitar.
0: <laughs> it's not good at all. He was um... just
1: doing some harmonics. He
0: was fine. I, I, th- I, The only thing I can see it being useful for is maybe he found it as like a little bit of armor to stand behind no i think it was
1: like do you know what i can't effing move on this stage get me a guitar and i look like i'm doing something
0: yeah well that may maybe so but i mean but I, I doubt that was i doubt that was what they did though because um i've seen them i've seen them do the practice of this on uh on from the sky down and bono's still using a guitar on it i think for some reason he thought he needed a guitar which is not true um if you I, want... I don't
1: think that guitar had been Made at that point because I don't remember that being. No, but he was in, still in playing Sky one. Day. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I, I'm sure he's got a few. A few. I, I, I also think they probably updated the um, the Zoo TV text, which I, I was glad that was there. It's good that people there would have been. Experiencing Zoo TV at whatever level, you know. So, if you've never seen that before, you might think, Wow, this is really cool. What was that? What was that? Um, but if you were a big fan, you'd be thinking, Oh, this is a really good tribute to this. Uh, Um, I'd like it
1: if they trolled people and it
0: said, Pay your taxes. (laughs) We will not pay our taxes. (laughs) Um, Bon Appetit Fatty made a a reappearance. Um, one of of, Bon Appetit Fatty, that was one of the ones that we we, thought he said, Bono McFatty. McFatty. No, he, no he, he, he hurt his back, but he wasn't, he <laughs> that's, wasn't that's a even. new character, isn't it? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I also didn't think... I mean, this is where people... Our long-standing review two fans are not going to be happy with me. I, I also feel like um, the solo was not very well done. I think Edge... Didn't... Sorry,
1: can we just go back to the, um, the text? Yeah, go on. Because you two were still releasing the 4K remasters of all the videos, mm. and uh, our friend uh, Jodie um, at Madflee on Twitter... Uh, it makes gifs out of all the videos, mm-hmm. so she's been able to break down, you know, all the little bits that they they say, yes, yes. and some of the messages that are coming up are actually quite surprising, and you would you yeah. wouldn't normally see them. Yeah. Um. So that's worth a look on Twitter. It was a few weeks back, but I will tell her that I've prom- I've promoted this, and maybe she can retweet mm-hmm. some of, some of those from a few weeks.
0: Any ago. ones that you remember that stand out particularly? Uh,
1: no, the, but there were a few that I that I thought ah I didn't expect it to say that. In the there's some like really risque. Yeah, there's some ones things. which are.
0: I mean, it's obviously like a. a, a it's meant to be like a, an overload of different things. So some things are pretty benign. Some things are outright offensive. Some things are, and it's meant to be that overload of your brain, isn't it? Yeah, but you're also never supposed to see them. Yeah, exactly. Or you may see them <laughs> like subconsciously, like and like you know. Supposedly... Until
1: naughty little people like Jodie came along and slowed it all <laughs> down, then we can see what naughty little boys you two really are. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah Uh, Bono is messing around with feedback badly during the solo Um, and my main thing was as I was watching this I was I was thinking oh just compare this to Boston I love Acton Baby I love the fly it's a fantastic symbol it defines what was great about the Acton Baby era and this is not a good version of this song and it's because then it's a lot to do with comfort zone I think and not having a really nice Playground to show off the song, in like like Boston is, you know, mm. which is just such an incredible version of this song.
1: The, well, the, it's, it's all part of the challenge. It's an unfamiliar setting and an unfamiliar set list, and I kind of, although I wouldn't have wanted them to play a three hundred and sixty set list here, I'd like them to have played a set list that's a little bit more normal to them. Mm. You know, that's got a little bit more of a traditional build, and they know it's going to work. Play, play the Slain set list. <laughs> well, again. But you know, you can throw in songs like Vertigo and um no, just Vertigo. You know, you can throw in like, you know, later singles to yeah. that set list to make it memorable.
0: I think you could've I think City Burning Lights could've have, could, could have been, yeah. it could have been no, right, yeah. that could have been a good open. I mean he comes out and says A City in the Rain, doesn't he? So. Well
1: sometimes you can't make it on your own, charted really high. Yeah, less it, than a decade before. And it's so. a great
0: song which they seem to have kind of given up on now. Well, yeah. Oh well.
1: Anyway, um, how mysterious. I feel like Bono is being kept in a low gear, and I kind of just anyway. <laughs> what? I stay with this. I... name with this? Yeah.
0: I was trying but... to segue. We go on. <laughs> no, we're, we're,
1: he's being kept in a low gear, and, um, and and I and I kind of want to see him unleashed. Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of things.
0: I mean, I thought that was intentional. Fighting against it. I thought it was intentional for the and it, and it, it does come across that way if you if you don't know about that because it seems like right well they're just going to do a few songs and then they'll break through and try and get closer which is which is you know what people do a lot of the time. No, do, I
1: think it's annoying, Bono, at this point.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I, I think that's more visible if you if you look at it back and hear about what they said about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think they're rattled.
1: Yeah, solid version of the fly though, and I think the edge is absolutely on fire. No, this. I
0: don't. You I, not? No, I love the edge as well. I I think I think even, what you love the edge? Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> thought I thought you'd mentioned this. Solo doesn't sound as good as it should do. Um, it's just it's not got the fullness. It, Bono's messing around with guitar really takes me out of it as well. He's doing some really weird stuff with feedback that doesn't sound good. And I don't know if he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but anyway, there we go. You
1: know, we, we, that could be the title of Bono's autobiography. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, it worked out anyway.
1: Track three then, Mysterious Ways. Um, I see, on the video at this point, you can't really tell, because it's in lower quality, you can't really tell how much it's raining, but it was really raining at at the time. I remember the original broadcast thinking, God, that is ridiculous. And
0: everyone's wearing ponchos.
1: Yeah, as as much of a U2 fan that I am... I don't know if I'd have been standing in that crowd all, you know, for two, for two, for what, an hour and a half, two hours.
0: Mm. If you want to get a decent place,
1: I, I imagine a lot of people had colds for Coldplay. Maybe that was the point, they trying to make Coldplay's audience ill.
0: Mm. Colds for Coldplay. <laughs> and I can't think. Any, any? Can we do any ones with you two with that? No. Nope. You two flew too? Flu2, I was saying, going to say Flumonia 2. It doesn't work.
1: Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, answer on a postcard, please. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> fool. Uh, right. well, speaking of Beyonce, she turns up in this song uh, in a way. Yeah, she does, and I really like that. Yeah, it, was it very, works with this song. It was very endearing, um, and it was a very Dad Bono sort of thing, because he's coming out, you know, doing. It is like. I'm, I'm... He gets the lyrics wrong as well. Does he? Yeah. Well, I guess, I'm, And I, I only picked this up because he went, right. all the women in the
1: building, you're not in a building, you're in a field, right? Mm. All the women in the building, throw your hands up at me. Yeah. I love that line, but apparently it's um, all independent women. Uh, all all, the, all, the, all women the women independent, independent throw yeah. your, hands, your hands up at me, yeah. I actually put that on earlier, because um, I hadn't, obviously I don't listen to Destiny's Child very often, but... It, it really worked with this song, and I think that should be a, a, a regular Staple. snippet that he does.
0: Yeah, it was. It was endearing. Bono is really trying here, um, and he does have respect for other artists. Yeah, and, and he's he's you can count on him to pay his dues. So if he knows if Coldplay and Beyonce are playing on the same bill, he's saying, "Yeah, these are my luminaries. They're they're not. He's not looking down at them." And I think he I didn't
1: think... pay any dues to Morrissey, who uh, came on before him.
0: Well, screw Morrissey. Imagine uh, being
1: in that green room. You've got Bono and Morrissey in the same green room—the two most hated people in all of music.
0: (laughs) More so now, Morrissey. I think he must have overtaken Bono. Actually, maybe not. People are so stubborn. Um, Adam's bass sounds great. I wasn't happy about the sound—the way that that Bono started to change it to John take a dive. Who's John?
1: I knew you were going to bring this up. Johnny. Is he not trying to make it more religious?
0: Uh, maybe. There's plenty of Johnnies in the New Testament. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnny, whatever. the apostles is John one of the apostles? Johnny the apostle? <laughs> um, yeah, John was. But, yeah. And also, there's the um, there's the, the the gospel according to John.
1: Yeah, but you can't you can't have like Mark, Paul, Luke, and Johnny, can you? Well,
0: they weren't they weren't they weren't apostles. They were. That was they... the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's not get into biblical literacy here as well. No Ramones uh, snippets either. Sad. What a mashup! Okay, well, um, until until the end of the world, are you ready for that? Yep. God, nearly on forty-five minutes here. Um, okay, go on. Well, again, this is not the best I've heard them sound. It doesn't sound fantastic. The rain is. It's a, it looks good at this point, and they're, they're sort of like showing they're getting out into it. A bit Ed said he needed to go. <laughs> rain, rain
1: looks wonderful when you're not the one getting rain. Well, on. exactly,
0: yeah. It looks good, but it, you can tell it's throwing them off. Mm. Um, Do you know what I thought could have helped this song? A
1: transition from mysterious ways into until the end of the world. That might have been good, but it would have
0: been a bit difficult. A bit difficult to. Um, you know just like Organized. a bit of
1: feedback and you know just something mm. instead of ending the completely ending the song and then you know starting up again I, I feel like momentum's being lost by not bleeding songs into each other
0: yeah when when we watched this um with our friends it was it was good in one way because you were like oh well, these are these are great songs but it was also frustrating because you were thinking these are not the best versions of these songs to be showing as well. Well, there's
1: always nerves whenever they do something new or daring, like whenever a new album... The first time I listen to a U2 record, it's like, oh, I hope it's good. I want it to be good. Is it good? Is... And I have to have people around me, it's good, this, isn't it? It's good.
0: Is, Is it good? No, it's good, right? I just it... go... Away on my own and listen to it <laughs> in closed cans. I remember listening, distinctly remember sitting on my, my bed at uni, just listening to it. I think I'd l- closed my door, not locked it, but been like, right, I'm just going listening to this, so go away, everyone. Uh you adoring fans. And uh, yeah, I was just just listening to it on my headphones and I had to listen no to it line. all the way through. Yeah, no line. And I got up and I thought, they've done it again. <laughs> I didn't I was very confused. Yeah. Um, so
1: in uh, the edge hitting that solo really had an effect on me uh, in Until the End of the World. Because it's one of those moments, like that, that audience, so many people in that audience of people that have been with them for such a long time. And when that solo in Until the End of the World kicks in, it's like, it's kind of like a homecoming for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I know where I am. I'm at a U2 gig. I'm in safe hands. Yeah. Despite everything else that's you know going off, it just, it feels... Feels like you're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And, um, you know, for people like myself and you and a lot of the people in that audience that night, there's no better place to be than a U2 gig. And for the first time during the set so far, I thought, okay, this is U2. Yeah, they've arrived. Yeah, they've, and they've got it. It doesn't matter what happens. They, yeah. They've got it.
0: Yeah, it's not a disaster. Um, yeah. I, I've, I got a sense of that, but also... Bono's early for you know the da, 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 da thing like he's he's early for that he messes that up, but that's fine. Um, and the other thing is again I've just go back to this point. It's you're seeing the usual stuff, but you're not seeing the best version of it presented in the best way. So because they're having to do this on the fly, not not a pun like but like they're having to do this you know in a quite an improvised way without the director being able to cut to things if you look at that fight that you know the ball fight that they have at slane it's amazing it's it's transcendent it doesn't look like two middle aged men pratting about here it doesn't like two middle-aged men <laughs> prattling about because they're on this tiny little walkway. There's a there's a bit of water on the stage, and they can't have you know, like spinning cameras all around them and stuff like that. So it is just sort of the messing mm-hmm. around a bit. And even Bono, like when he gets up after that, he looks like oh god, that took it out of me. My back probably hurts still. And he says like oh, you need a bit of gaffer tape there. And I'm like, yeah, too right you do. Like the whole band needs a bit of gaffer tape to sort of get it, get them all back together.
1: Ali, get me pills. <laughs>
0: yeah, get me spanks, <laughs> keep me all together. But um...
1: uh, beautiful moment. I feel like there's going to be a few times when I say this. I, th- this is a show of you two trying to create, if not one, then many special moments. Yes. Um and. Uh, uh, I've not. I don't have a lot to say for all of one, but when he, he kicks into Jerusalem, I think that it kind of means a lot to a British audience. That song, mm-hmm. although I'm not religious, I listened to Jerusalem before I went and did my final exams at university. It's, it has a, it a, <laughs> a power to it, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I like I like that. I like. That song, you know, it, it, I think it does something to people, particularly rugby fans.
0: Right, okay. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll just sum up the things I want to say about one quickly because that, that comes towards the end and it's like a transition into streets. So, is. number one, uh, beautiful music rising, Les Paul, that Edge is using for this. Sounds good and looks good too. One of only 300. I assume they are selling for massive amounts. I, Why are you making that face?
1: I'm wondering if Edge has got one of the 300 or if they just made him one.
0: Well, I think, I think he's probably got at least one of them, but they have all their names. They're they're very unique. They're, all the paint jobs are unique and custom. They have written on back you know, this number out of 300. So, I mean, if you've got one of those, then you can command huge prices for it. Um, it's but, a bit...
1: but you wouldn't, would you, because it was for charity? And...
0: No, but people buy them, they buy them, and then...
1: And, of course, if you were going to resell one, you would donate all that money to charity again, wouldn't
0: well, you? Well, I doubt people would do, but... No, no but I think that, they that's, should the,
1: do. that's the decent thing to do, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but they won't. <laughs> they'll be in the hands of private collectors um, I would imagine um, and just entrepreneurial people who won't even play them which is sad I think it's a bit too early for one personally but it, the blue light that they use is pretty it's nice at night and obviously this is a song that maybe they've gone a little bit into deep cut territory with Until the End of the World this will get people back it's another solid single everyone knows one it's probably the most recognizable song actually so far apart from maybe mysterious ways that your average joe blogs or jane blogs is going to know. So uh, yeah, Jerusalem, love the sentiment. I think it's it's a real it's a real thing and it, it is actually quite a political thing as well for bono to be singing this song which is so associated with you know the pride of England, a country which has colonized Ireland, you know, for such a long time. But he sings it badly. He he's off
1: key. I also think he's reading the lyrics somewhere.
0: <laughs> Learn the bloody lyrics at I least. think there's an auto-cue somewhere. I think he's just not practised it enough. It, it, it sounds like he's he changes tempo a couple of different times. And Bono's a great singer. I don't but know why he's don't, doing missing I don't notes.
1: Think, I generally don't think he meant to sing so much of it, but because the crowd were responding to it, I think he ended up singing more. Yeah,
0: so he was just looking at them and reading the lips and be like, uh, 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 uh. That's what it sounds like. It's it's not good. <laughs> He's trying, isn't he? Well, that's, I think that's probably my, my overall opinion of this thing, is they do try. <laughs> That's, I mean, and that's what—that's one of the best things I can say about it. Yeah, oh, I um, love it. So we get where well, the streets have no name. Um, as I said, I was more excited watching the the peculiarity of of Muse doing this with the Edge. Um, there's the big red screen prefiguring the 2017 thing. Do you notice that? Yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And yeah, and I also think it's too early for streets.
1: Oh, not early enough. Um, well
0: yeah fine I, mean, it's, it's, I can see the logic of I, what you're saying but I also think I, this is too early. I think
1: you have to view this like obviously they like to normally in their own concerts they like to tell a story from beginning to end mm. with this I think you've got to see it as how well did they play this song
0: yeah it's a greatest hits thing
1: yeah certainly at this point certainly this is the start of it and I got tingles I was what I when I was watching this I, I just because Jerusalem has an effect on me obviously and going from Jerusalem into streets it mm. it, it hit a part a, a bit of patriotism in me which I don't like but you know it still has that effect on me I yeah. try not to be um, a horrible horrible patriot um but it it did have that nice effect on me
0: well yeah I think I think it it seems like a nice Nice sentiment, but it's just... It's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. Yeah, sung badly. It's a beautiful poem. (laughs) Well done, William Blake. (laughs) But, um, you know... Songs of Innocence. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Actually, is it in Songs of I don't think it is in Songs of Innocence. Songs Songs of of Experience? I don't think it's in either of those. Sorry, Mark, um, our friend (laughs) who's a a Blake Scholar. Um, uh, Also, what the hell... yeah
1: awful covering the Pet Shop boys covering two other songs
0: awful just really bad like just not no i like it i like that pet, show is, is, is pet ref- shop he's he's referencing the pet shop boys i i know but it's a ba- it's a it's a niche reference to say the least right <laughs> a lot of you 2 fans wouldn't have got i wouldn't have got that 2 years ago before you showed me that um but it's just i love you baby right exists in a different universe to to streets it's just all, of all the references he could have done and then he tried to get the crowd to do it and the crowd are going what's what going on here
1: I mean in a very real sense it exists in the same universe okay fine and it, it, but his, in a very they're metaphorical trying sense trying to ha- they're trying to kick off a party
0: well don't do that with Streets then unless you're going to do the pop mart version oh I well, that that would have, it would if, if only that would make sense in the postmodern world yeah. of pop Mart, but not here.
1: I liked it. I I really genuinely liked it. I thought they played streets really well. I liked the intro. I liked the bar da 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 Oh, I think this is probably I, I,
0: I can't not like that. I think this has probably been the, the the review where I've been most negative and you've been mo- most positive. As in, we've been that differently separated usually on the live stuff we sort of meet in the middle i would say
1: it's around this time as well that the cameras actually start showing the audience lit up yeah which brings a a new sense of life to the show
0: yeah yeah they seem more confident playing it's just i don't like what they're doing very much (laughs) okay well how do you feel about track seven i will follow um well, Bono, uh, this is cut out of the version on on, on uh, because of editing reasons online, but um, Bono had introduced the band variously. You get just the end of it where he refers to himself as Friar Tuck, which is quite a, f- a funny self-abasing thing. Again, I think he's very charming in this show, Bono. Like He's trying to not be like, hey, look at me, I'm the best rock star in the world kind of thing, because he knows that that won't wash at Glastonbury. But he refers to the band as variously Sir so Galahad, a sorcerer, and Friar Tuck. Now there's only three there. Who do we reckon is is who the Sir Galahad and the sorcerer? Who do you think the remaining ones were?
1: Edge is has got to be the sorcerer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. wizard.
0: Um, Sir so Galahad and who? So, well, that's the thing. I, I, I all I've got here. I tried to do some research to see what he said, and I'm sorry if I've missed something here, but I guess if he's saying Sir Adams English, so perhaps could be yeah possibly. And he's a very he's a very um nice. Sir Galahad was known for his his gallant mannered decency. You but know?
1: Larry is the man who I want defending my honor.
0: Well, maybe Larry is Sir Lancelot in this in this one, he's, or maybe he's Robin Hood. He's
1: a drummer and he hits things
0: for for a job, really. Yeah. So also a weird mixture of Arthurian and Robin Hood mythology. I don't think Sir Galahad and Friar hung around with a sorcerer or not. Uh,
1: I, I would imagine they're both fictional. So uh maybe they maybe they uh, hit the club with Harry Potter on of a of a weekend.
0: <laughs> could be. Uh, it's a fantasy mashup. Anyway, yeah, I woke up a bit and so did the crowd at um I will follow. It's um a a good song to play. Nothing particularly <clears throat> interesting about it. It'd
1: be easier if it was in the show that we could see. What do you mean? Oh we was it in the show? Did you say it was cut out of the show? Because I thought I'd seen it No, earlier.
0: no, no. Just just the intro was cut out. Just that bit about right. the Galahad and stuff. You can only see I thought the scene I'd seen it. You've been messing with my head then. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Twisting my mouth, man. <laughs> well, it's on there, yeah. I will follow. Decent version. Very little to say about it.
1: Yeah. Mark Radcliffe can bore off.
0: Oh, yeah. He interrupts Half of Roo. Oh. I like Mark Radcliffe. He just,
1: just was saying words. It was nothing. It's oh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they play next. Oh, they're doing a really good set. Uh, and he ke- keeps doing that very Northern thing. I mean. uh, when you've got nothing to say, uh, mm. oh, think... it's, it's good, isn't
0: it? Yeah, shut up and let us watch it. I'm... What are you doing? Well, I think I think in his defence, he might have had to do some sort of continuity announcement because it was being played on a different channel or something like that. But I also feel like Mark Radcliffe is, is incredibly knowledgeable about music, but I don't think he particularly likes you 2 in which case get someone else to do it. But I mean... Um, Ends up
1: telling a story about, oh, I remember when I saw them here and my car got stolen, and the Edge was very sympathetic about it. <laughs> and it's an it's, Alan it turns, head. turns into an Alan Bennett it goes on for so long. He's like, shut up, let us watch the show. We're, we're literally watching your channel to watch you too, not to hear you witter on about the time you met the Edge.
0: <laughs> yeah, for Tell him. me later. For I'm it's... busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to say that I will follow
1: I, my, my, um, no I've actually put the the um, Mark Radcliffe notes in the nice I'm looking for and my only notes in what I'm looking for is F in hell Mark Radcliffe bore off you absolute donut
0: <laughs> well I think you've made that quite clear
1: um, <laughs> yeah. uh, what I'm looking for I am amazed at how popular that song is. It's,
0: it, but it is though. Yeah, and it's the right song to get the crowd to sing. They sung that really well, and it's a good song if you wanted to take a little bit of a gap. I, I think it's a, it's one of. The, I don't usually like it really when musicians make um, the crowd sing the songs, and I really don't like it when they get out of the diff, you know difficult parts of the song to do it, or they over rely on it. That really annoys me. Um and the most egregious when they make someone sing a whole verse and a chorus of the crowd singing it and then they restart the song as if nothing's happened. I'm like, What are you doing? Why are you making the song so long? It's irritating. I like the moving on up snippet. I think that was a great um little tribute. To who? Oh what are they bloody god called. Pramble Scream. Yeah, they were they were playing at the same time on the on the other stage. So again Oh I were think, they really? That's interesting. Yeah, I think they're being I think again they're being they're being humble. Because no. Bono had been doing that all the way through the 360 tour,
1: like that moving on up thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So it wasn't just to, you know, pacify a, a different cra- a crowd. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, it was, yeah. I've, I've, I've always had that snippet in my head ever since, and I always forget, I forget who it is as well. Mm. Um, but I did have it on the other day.
0: Certain snippets work really well in this, in this, and other ones like that. bad bit I don't like, but again, it takes all sorts, I suppose. Um, yeah. I think it's just the nerd in me going, oh, I know that song too. <laughs> song too? They didn't do Blur as well. <laughs> um, uh, I've got a quote here from Bono. I don't know why I've put it in this bit, but I may as well say it. Um, so he's talking about the Glastonbury um, Glastonbury set. and I think they were a bit divided on it. You can see there's, a, there's an interview with them afterwards where they look a bit shaken. Bono looks a bit drunk, to be honest. But I, don't f- I feel like they were sort of reeling from those early problems. Anyway, Bono says, we've got as much bottle as anyone. We've got as much intimacy and as much delicacy, and it's the dimension that I'm most pleased about concerning Glastonbury. It was a little heavier on the attitude than we're normally used to delivering, but the place required it. So I think maybe he's referring to like the fact that they didn't do the usual let's do a story with peaks and troughs, let's just go bang, single, bang, single, bang, yeah. single along. you know. Um, and yeah, I don't know why I put that in there. That, uh, now we move on to Stay. It's far away, so close.
1: Now, this is a real surprise. Yep. For this. Very, even, even very for happy this got an airing. Even for a, a Greatest Hits show, Stay is not... A, it can't be counted on as a usual suspect, as we have called them in the past. Yeah. Um. There's something very, very beautiful about thousands of people singing this all at the same time. Yeah, a lot of people knew it as well. It really creates a moment at a u2 show and it's it's certainly created um probably one of the first unplanned moments during this set i I would say
0: what's the unplanned moment
1: um just having like so many people know it and sing along to it that's something you can kind of guarantee a u2 gig but maybe not at a festival gig.
0: speaking of moments you would think that this would be a, a good point if you were trying to bet on, right, what can we expect the crowd to know? And we want an acoustic song here. Stuck in a Moment would actually be a quite clever one to put in. Oh, yeah. But I much prefer them using stay here, and it, it just works so well. And then the segue from this into Beautiful Day is perfect.
1: Lots of shots of the audience's faces and, you know, quite clearly moved, quite mm-hmm. clearly feeling a different emotion. Um, a lot of bands strive to just have it, headlining breeze a party. It's it's two hours of, of hits and you know you don't let the tempo fall down. You two aren't afraid to let the tempo fall if a, a, a new emotion can you know enter the room for three minutes.
0: Yeah, and I think you need you need a little bit of that um quietness. But yeah, very nice, very good. to See that it got an airing, surprising.
1: I feel like you two are settled into the show now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I'm much more confident now. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I don't think there are many bands that would just have the the balls to do that, to actually let the momentum die out in, in favour of a ballad, effectively.
0: Well, i say transforms rather than dies out, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Well, just my take. <laughs> well, uh, we now have beautiful, beautiful day. What an introduction. This is probably one of the most incredible introductions for Beautiful Day, where they're actually... You can tell they've planned something. I'm sure it wasn't a live link up to space. They've planned something... They've recorded it, integrated it perfectly. I would have wanted a few more of those things in this show, to be honest. I know everything I I like think that this in- could have opened. W- yes. Yeah, with that like intro. That would be quite cool.
1: Yeah. You know, you, suddenly you just have a, a spaceman, Commander Mark Kelly, I believe his name is. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a
0: twin brother who was also an astronaut. All right. Oh, yeah.
1: Which space station was he in? Maybe they waved at each other every six months.
0: Possibly so, yes. Um, I don't have know. Have you spoken to Mum?
1: What? Have you spoken to Mum? What? What? Have you spoken to mom. I can't hear you. Yeah, see
0: you on the. It's a vacuum th- out there. See you on the next orbit round. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go on. You were saying about him. I'm glad you're so amused with that.
1: Happy birthday for last Tuesday. What?
0: Well, if they were twins, they probably knew. About Ring him. me. <laughs> Tal is very happy with himself about this. Oh, so stupid.
1: Um, right. Yeah. I think. Imagine that. The first thing you see. Of you two playing Glastonbury is a spaceman, you know. And you
0: think Bonner's looking a bit older. <laughs> and he's just putting. Where's his glasses? <laughs> he's
1: just putting the words up on the screen. Yeah, like it, and it builds up. something about connectivity and being one. And then it, and then it just. It's a beautiful day. I think that would be yeah. memorable.
0: That would, that it it was great. I really I really liked it. I th- I think um, it's very well judged entry for beautiful for, for day i actually think this works well at this particular time and they had the rain snippet now i guess that must have been well do you think that was planned actually do you think bono just thought well there's a good chance of rain i may as well i it. think they
1: play this song uh when rain or shine
0: yeah um not a beatles song i'm that familiar with is it a famous beatles song she
1: loves you yeah yeah, yeah.
0: no that's, that's later on that he does the rain um thing here
1: Wh- which one does he do
0: when the rain comes you know that, that song
1: Clearly, it's not a well-known Beatles song. It might be, but he
0: does. She loves you, but that's for a different song that we'll be covering in, in a little bit.
1: Right, I may I may have skipped that. Um, I'm not. I think I think I know about as much of the Beatles as, as you you do. Yeah, well. So you if you go. didn't know it, there's a good chance I didn't know it. But uh, let us know if it's a famous one.
0: <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem so. But but there we go.
1: Yeah, um, I think Bono's voice in these two songs, particularly, there's really not a big difference between. Elevation and three three sixty Glastonbury era Bono, vocally still very very strong.
0: He is overall. There's one area where I think he is actually quite bad though for elevation. Oh really? Do you want to guess what area in particular he doesn't manage to nail very well? Is it some of the ooze? the woos? Yeah, <laughs> oos woos whatever. Um, yeah, I just I, I feel like it's because he's messing around in the audience and uh, doing stupid stuff, which I guess obviously that's that's something that they're trying to get momentum hyper make a connection Mm. but i just feel like that's the that's the real signature of the song the woos so get them right and he he has managed to really nail them on on certain occasions live in a way that's still impressive so i just think just get that bit right but um yeah i i think we're into obviously the the familiar territory of let's do some big big dumb rock songs now oh we got we've actually got the triple the triple of big dumb rock songs Elevation boots and vertigo, Mm. fantastic.
1: Really interesting version of Elevation, and it seemed somewhat relaxed.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, high octane.
1: The crowd are going banana, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Banana. Yeah, I guess they are. Yeah, yeah, they. They. they, I mean, we take it for granted that, that we know these songs inside out. But there might Please, be for
1: yeah, for you every every man that's never seen you two before, they're just at a festival, elevation's gonna be one, a, a, one of the
0: There might be some people there who, who they all they really know is maybe they got into you two for a bit during the, the early two thousands, and this is like they're like, oh, songs I know now, you know, and they're really enjoying it. So yeah, I think and Elevation is, as we've said a million times before, it's designed to be a fun song live. It's not designed mm-hmm. to be clever. So that's That's why it works here.
1: What if there was like a movie buff that his friends had told him, look, you don't know enough about music. You need to come to Glastonbury with us and uh, watch some bands just to widen your your knowledge. I can see where this is going. He's never heard of any bands, including you two before, and he's just walking past, and they're playing the soundtrack to uh, Tomb Raider 2. I'm uh, (laughs) going to see what
0: that's all about. Is that something from the Million Dollar Hotel that I hear? (laughs) If only, if only. Um, well, I feel like you're stalling, so we don't have to talk about uh, get on your boots. Right,
1: yeah. uh, now... Right, so, right, get on your boots. Let's get it over with. There's At start, the, the start, Bono's dancing is so bad. Even for Bono, it's so bad. Do you mean he's, like, jumping forward and stuff? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, in the it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well,
0: I think the, the reason for that is quite clear, which is... They are still trying to sell this song as yeah, this is in the same category as Vertigo. I don't care what, what you're
1: selling. Mean. If you're dancing at me like that, I ain't buying it.
0: Did, well, I, th- I like I I like that they've tried they've tried it. My note here, best song so far. Best song so far. Oh, let me finish about the dancing. Fine, go on.
1: I've been, you know, I've been known to put, impersonate Bono on the dance floor.
0: Yeah, and just in your regular life. Yeah, and walking around. oh but- that
1: dance is something i've never been inclined to do because it just it seems, similar. it seems unlike bono it's it's too uncool um, he looks like a scarecrow coming to life you know he's he's not got full dexterity but it, it had that effect on me
0: well speaking of dancing did you see Adam like not moonwalking, but walking sort of stalking backwards across the stage in a sort of sultry way did you see that uh,
1: I didn't but I will be looking please out please
0: go back and look at it everyone <laughs> is it really it's, cool it's great it's really good <laughs> and again he's trying to sell this he's got that amazing fat bass that he's got I don't know what model it is but it's lovely and he's because he's got a great groove this song bassline is so good and he's got his leg up on the monitor and I think I just I, this is the first time I've really bought Get On Your Boots and I loved it I thought it was great live and um, yeah I think maybe because everyone hates this song I'm not just trying to be contrarian but I don't listen to it very much and then just hearing it live was was fantastic are you now looking this up Tyler? No
1: <laughs> just checking Twitter you're oh. boring me <laughs> uh, okay I'll admit it um, this wasn't a bad version of this song yay it exactly. was it was it was all right.
0: Tyler finally got on board with Get On Your Boots.
1: There is a nice Adam bit where Bono is Oh yeah, messing around with him. And yeah. Adam seems to be able to tolerate Bono more than most other people. Yeah. Because he's just... There's a good grin on Adam's face when Bono's messing around with him. Yeah. Um, you can tell that those two, even though they're in a band and they're all really good friends, you can just tell there's a really special connection between those two.
0: Yeah. Were you thinking at any point that Adam was going to join him on some vocals there? No. But I did. There was at one point where I was wondering because there was a point when Adam did sing. He used to have a microphone in front of him and do help with backing stuff. And he, I mean, he has been on record in in his like spoken word zooming in, zooming out, out. (laughs) master Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Why has Adam become Yoda?
1: Yoda? Yeah, that's more Obi Wan
0: Kenobi. Oh, sorry, I'm not a Star Wars guy.
1: Yeah, but confusing Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda is quite basically the same, aren't they? The only would have to reverse it, so it's out zooming, in zooming. Mm. I also, I still did Alan at Guinness again.
0: Hmm. Lord of the Rings, boring. I found it like watching paint dry. It was. Mm. Times available for kids' parties. Stand up, <laughs> bumitz <Bar> was. <laughs> right, anyway, vertigo then. Um, yeah, solid version. Not much to say. I think he should have kept singing. So this is
1: a Beatles thing where he's singing um, "She Loves You." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He should have kept that going. Get the crowd really into it, yeah. and then kick in with Vertigo. Again, get the drums going.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Again, I feel like um they're all relying on Bono. They're all waiting. I think if you see here, I think he makes the call when they when they kick in. He's very quickly, very quickly into. Uno dos tres, you know, 14, whatever. And um, the main highlight for me with this is it's got a snippet of Garage Land in it um, from the Clash, which is just a, a great song to reference back to. Obviously, it's them getting back down to basics, saying the Clash wrote this song about being a garage band, we come from Garage Land, and it's it's it, Vertigo is a big dumb rocker, so it's great for that.
1: And the Beatles and the Clash still as important to this band. I'm going to say no even though it was 10 years ago, but I, I think mm. it still rings true. there's still important influences on the career and music yeah. that you two do and I think there's a shared energy of a, a do-it-yourself energy and get things done and make waves make moves and don't be so predictable mm. and I think that's it's really important, especially in a song like vertigo, which was a really big hit. Commercially speaking, do you think was this was the last great hit?
0: Uh probably. I mean, how did what
1: what general generally what people would say? Every, you're every man on the street. Yes, I, you're yes. Glastonbury crow. Short answer: Yes, definitely. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: it's. I mean, I've just noticed now as well. And they brought that up. So we've got these are all the bands who are referenced in some sort of way: Sex Pistols, Coldplay, Joy Division, William Blake to a certain extent. Uh, not that he's a band. Um. The clash Beyonce, the Beatles, uh, Primal Scream. You know, um, that's that's I think that's one thing they're really doing here. Not not just Pet being Petch Up Boys, Pet Shop boys. yeah, <laughs> not just a not just a was it Luke Van Dross that, s- that sang the, the original song? I don't know, I hate it. Um, but um, I used to work at a wedding venue and uh, so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is. I think it's them consciously saying A <laughs> Sorry, the image of you working at a wedding venue. You hate weddings. You
1: you never want you never want to get married, do you? Nope. Absolutely. Like you you are a bit of a curmudgeon. You don't like mm. pop music. I
0: do like pop you music. You don't
1: like people having a good time. You don't like not being able to drink. You must have been the most miserable bartender I
0: wasn't, at... I wasn't expecting to be drinking at other people's weddings when I was No, working. but you must have been so
1: like so, so miserable at someone's wedding. <laughs> Because there's nothing there for you. as you worked for your £4.50 an hour. Well,
0: that was what I was most miserable about, (laughs) exploitative work (laughs) conditions. Um, Anyway, the point I'm trying to say is, I think here, this isn't just business as usual, you two doing references for the sake of it. I think what they're doing is, A, saying, look, we're humble. We don't think it's all about us. These are all our influences. But also maybe trying to curry favour with the people who are a bit sniffy and have maybe been cajoled by their mates, like "come on, it's you two, at me, we've got to go." And like, mm, all right then. And those people who are maybe a bit snobby, the, you two are wearing their influences on the sleeve, saying, "Look, we like Joy Division, we owe a debt to the Clash, um, and the Pistols, and you know the Beatles." And th- these are all names that are pretty safe for your average sniffy indie fan who might turn their nose up at you two. Anyway, that, that was a point I wanted to make.
1: Um, really great version. Yep, good version. Um, it's I, I feel like it's nothing from a, par- a butter party from this point on, and they're really they're going for it. They're they playing so hard and so yeah. well together.
0: Well, the confident now after after getting your boots, they're, 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 the confidence was there.
1: Yeah, um, and then right. like Sunday Bloody Sunday. While it's a standard in any U2 show, really, Mm, it strikes me as a little bit strange to play this song.
0: Perfunctory here. I I thought it was a bad choice. I don't think it suits the mood. I really don't like the fact that Edge is using a Stratocaster for it because it sounds different and, to my eyes, bad. And the reason he's using a Stratocaster... your ears? Well, to my ears as well. um, (laughs) Most of all, if anything. Um, The reason he's doing that is because they segue into bad, which does need to be played on a Stratocaster. So I just I, it's it's just something that just throws it off slightly in my head. And I feel like it's it's not necessary. Like I mean, it's not I don't know, like Sunday Buddy Sunday works when they're making a like it in, in Paris, for the Innocence show, it really works. You know, like it's a big it's a song that that works there. It works well for elevation. It, it works well when Edge is singing it on its own in Potmart. I just think there needs to be a reason to play Sunday Buddy Sunday. It can't just be, well, it's a hit. Mm. But uh, anyway, there we go.
1: It's funny that we said this, a similar thing um, with the experience tour. We we had a similar problem yeah. with it. Yeah, there yeah,
0: yeah. It, It's not. It's just. I, I think every time they put that on the set list they need to say why. If they're saying, well, on... That's <laughs> a
1: bit much to ask. No, explain it to the audience So we are going to play Sunday Bloody Sunday tonight, but here's we, just, a pamphlet. we just need to explain why. No,
0: no, I think they need to ask each other why. Like, obviously, it makes sense when they're going back through, you know, the days of innocence and stuff and that being destroyed, because it literally talking about the time that it occurs in.
1: What would you have put there instead?
0: Uh, oh, That's a question. Well, we we'll just come off the back of Vertigo. Oh, do you know what I would have put... put in at some point, actually, and maybe this would be a good point. Electrical storm.
1: That would have been off the f in chain. Oh, and um, I hadn't even thought. I was trying to think of songs, you know, that, that would have been more appropriate and yeah, uh, songs that they they didn't play that, that they could have done. And I was thinking of songs like "Sweetest Thing." Yeah, I think that really would lift the tempo. Um, in my local gin bar, actually, this week I know the owners, and normally when we both get drunk. Together, we take over the music. Mm. It's his place. He's allowed to do so. Yep. Uh, he's a big fan of James. And I went, can we have some U2? And he said, which U2 song do you want? And I said, Sweetest Thing. And he said, that's the worst song you could have chosen. And as soon as like, Sweetest Thing came on, mm. everybody's singing along. Jumping oh, on the, well,
0: the sweetest. It's, it's so underrated, that How song. How much had you been drinking by this point? Because I'm not sure it went exactly I like
1: had me. had quite a few Guinness, but everybody else was of the same mind. So a, a full bar of people singing along to Sweetest Thing. I could
0: just imagine you on the table on your own going,
1: oh, thing. And I yeah. was not on the table.
0: <laughs> I was it. on the bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, Electrical Storm, because A, it's it's rainy in Glastonbury. B, it'd yeah. just be cool. Would've they worked. were trying to re- rejig it around about this time as well, so I think they could have played it. I don't it. think
1: Bono can sing it.
0: But he could have had a go. Anyway, um, yeah, or get Edge to do the high bits or something. Mm. Um, the other thing, the um, thing we've not mentioned so far, which we probably should do, song-wise, um, and I'm not suggesting for a moment they should have done, but they could have played the song Glastonbury at Glastonbury Festival, but they didn't. Um, now, Tyler, you'd completely forgotten about this song, hadn't you?
1: I, You played it to me before we started recording, and I'm not sure if I've ever heard it before, but I did want to forget it again. Um, like, And I think it it's an early version of... Um,
0: Volcano slash American Soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure there's other people who think, wait, no, that's the wrong way around. Those are bad versions of this song. But I really think Glastonbury, I'm glad I, they didn't bother I, with it because it's very undercooked.
1: I think if you're going to call a song Glastonbury, it needs to be better than that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it, it needs to be more of a de- more than a demo, which is what it was. I mean, there's a bit where Bono says, you are a pocket full of sunshine and or sunlight or something like that, and I just think... Sunshine. Yeah, he does say sunshine because it, so- it sounds like uh, Oasis. I also think it's, it's, cool, it it's not good for um, them to do a song that's so specifically about a, p- a place that they don't really have that much of a connection with. Mm. It's just odd, you know. Um, I was wondering if, like...
1: It'd be very easy for Bono to get a like VIP pass for you know, backstage pass for Glastonbury if yeah. his friends are playing. I'm wondering how many times each of them have actually been to a Glastonbury. It's
0: Busman's holiday though, isn't it?
1: I don't. I think they'd still enjoy watching live music.
0: Yeah, but it's very quite difficult to do so when you're Bono. You can't just be like, oh, "Excuse me," you know, with your, like your cans and your like sausage rolls or whatever. Like, it's it's you can't just be a normal. I, I person. like the fact
1: that you think Bono's bringing a pic- a picnic. <laughs> just, you know, it's just <laughs> snack it's, What my...
0: does Bono pack for a picnic? Oh, I'm not. I'm not going into this. Quail's eggs, well, caviar. I think surely we could make some sort of good YouTube puns, couldn't we, about this? But if we, but I would have. Oh yeah, because
1: we've been really good at that so far, haven't we?
0: Sauce edge rolls. That's one. You can hit me back with another one.
1: <laughs> no, nope. I'll um, I'll keep thinking.
0: Now I'm just gonna be thinking of back of lanky Larry's mother's pride sandwiches. Um, is this what we're doing? Uh, yeah, I can't think of any more. I'm sure if I, I can drop some, some, some ones in. Um,
1: um I was, I was, I, I, In my head, I've got fairy cakes going to the tune of Babyface now. Fairy cakes, yeah. fairy cakes, slow it down now, don't you choke on the icing. Yeah,
0: and when people were thinking, <laughs> should this podcast end or not? <laughs> Have they run out of things to talk about? <laughs> I think the answer is the... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. At what
1: point did you realise the podcast was over? Oh, That's probably when I was uh, singing uh, Babyface with the lyrics, Fairy Cakes. Yeah.
0: yeah, go on. Two years before that prior for me, but anyway. <laughs> uh, right, so next one. Uh, they segue into the song Bad with another Jerusalem snippet, which um, is better integrated and works a lot well. The crowd are very on board. I really like the, when he said uh, let it go, the crowd are completely, you know, Ready to do this? And have you have you noticed, Tyler? How um, this is actually the um, it's the what's called set. It's the um, uh, set from Live Aid, but in reverse. But actually, they've obviously got time to play everything. So um, Sunday, but Sunday. Not in reverse, sorry. They got Sunny Buddy Sunday, then Bad. But, you know, before, Live Aid, they went on for Bad too long and then couldn't play Pride, which was the single they wanted to promote.
1: That's really... I thought the only reason they played Pride was because there's a callback to Live Aid. Well, I think that's, that's really interesting that they've done, done that. Yep. Oh, the clever little sausages.
0: Yep, although still don't think they should have played Sunny Buddy Sunday, but there we go. Um.
1: No, but now I get why they've done that.
0: Yeah, but is it... I mean, it's a reference, but is it? I, I still don't think it's worth it.
1: It's like... The, Well, that might have been the last time they played a festival in the UK, and then it was about twenty. Not that that Live Aid was a festival, but it effectively was. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really interesting.
0: (laughs) It's really not.
1: I know. I really like that.
0: Well, glad to glad to be of service to you.
1: Yeah, um, I thought bad was a surprise, but now you you kind of made made it make sense. Really, really going for a special moment. One at one show with one stay bad, and with or without you. That for a U two show, you don't get all of those songs in the same show.
0: Yes, and my problem with that is I'm not sure they'd be able to. I mean, I guess they do. They do. I was going to say they don't give it everything they can do because usually you want to save up some emotion to make a really memorable version of them, but. I guess it it works. It works well enough.
1: Mm. Um, bad in Jeru- Jerusalem is epic. And um, uh, did you catch the wild smiling? Sorry, the rare smiling Larry that appears.
0: I, I didn't, but I, I might have blinked at one point. <laughs> oh, he, he he seems
1: to be. Um, he seems to be. He, he seems to be as happy as um. Well,
0: Larry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in this show. Uncharacteristically, yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, pride. <laughs> bad sound initially. <laughs> Like a really, I know we've had bad, bad history of Pride, but um, I think this is one of the rare occasions where they definitely should have played Pride. I, I would have put it on the set list even if I wouldn't enjoy it myself that much. But I just think it just it just sound sounds bad. But maybe we're going back to what you said about the BBC. It it doesn't seem like the sound has been captured very well because the crowd are incredibly on board with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Bono's very humble. Um, yeah, it, it works. It works very well for that setting. I just don't think it's, it's recorded very well. I mean, what have we got to say about pride at this point?
1: Without repeating myself, I haven't? No. I think this is a good show, and I think they have played everything well. I'll even give some credit to Boots; they played Boots really well. Boots they, is great. It's, like, a it's no surprise that they're playing things well. At, you know, at Glastonbury, they're they're going all out to make sure that they do, and mm-hmm. kind of leaving nothing to chance. I imagine this is pro- probably the most well rehearsed show in years, in terms of we've got to get this one right, lads.
0: Mm. So, like I. Guy- buggered up their keyboards and messed that up at the start. <laughs> well, if
1: all it takes is a DJ to mess up your sound, you like to, to bump into it.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's very easy to unplug a guitar, and and I mean, imagine if you come out and he was no guitar at the start of, of that.
1: Well, that would that would be foolish because he is the guitarist.
0: So if Dallas would just run over and plugged it back in. But yeah,
1: yeah, good old Dally, um, with or without you. Um, I I had to question. Is this is this for them proving a point? Um, is that what this whole show is for them?
0: Uh, what what point is he trying to prove that people like you too? Well, they don't. Although they still they're still in the record
1: business, the the music business. They don't need to sell any more records. No, the they've run a sold out tour. Yeah, so it's unlikely that you gonna They're not. They weren't even touring in the UK I anymore at that G-Gastomy point.
0: Glastonbury itself was the whole thing of like, we need to be able to prove that we can win over a Glastonbury crowd, and I think they do do that successfully in this gig. They don't necessarily present the best, high quality, critically interesting U2 gig. They don't necessarily do the best performances or set, but they do do what they set out to do, which is they convince a Glastonbury audience that they are good. And they, obviously there were some bad reviews, but they mainly seem to be made by people who've already made the mind up. If they find, right. So
1: we're obviously trying to find a narrative in the show. Cause that's what, how we review U two shows, right? Struggling to. So if you do buy into that, that this, the point of this show for you two was to prove that they can play Glastonbury, that they can win over a Glastonbury crowd. Then I think this is where it happens. Because as they start playing with or without you, the crowd are completely with them. They're yeah. singing along to it. It's a really big moment, um, and there's a, a very very nice moment towards the end where Bono is just stood there watching the crowd sing and he's taking it in.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: doesn't look happy, happy, but he, he he can tell he's just enjoying the moment. He's not concerned about um, you know having a smile on his face or looking a certain way. It is all about taking in that moment and watching it because, yeah. you know, there's only a couple of songs left and then there's, as With Without You ends, there's this great Bono just punches the air it, like, he, like he's finally got it. he feels like he's won.
0: Yeah, I've put only now, at that moment, only now is he in the crowd 100% ready for this gig which is not that great because <laughs> it's two songs before the end. Yeah, yeah which is a shame Yeah, and um, he also messes up the high note because he's too busy messing around with the audience he, His falsetto's been a bit off All gig, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. I mean, overall, sounds quite good. I think he does sing quite well, but um, it's more of those falsetto notes, you need to be prepared for them and get into them. And yeah, there is a certain high wire quality to them, they're not always going to work that well, Mm -hmm. but it was because he was messing around with the audience, um, that he messed it up,
1: yeah. So, as we go into track 18, we get a snippet of Coldplay's Yellow. Which not just a snippet, quite a long bit. Quite a long bit, yeah. Um, perhaps not long enough because this is the loudest the crowd have been all
0: night. Yeah, but well, this is a cappella though, isn't it? Unless
1: Chris Martin's just on the soundboard and now he's turning up the, the the crowd mics.
0: I wouldn't put it past him.
1: Oh, Old magpie. Um, I think they should have just played the whole song. Yellow. Yeah. Yeah, and then skip right as Perfect. Like, am I, like? Why not? You two are headlining Friday. You play one of ours, we'll play one of yours. The Friends, what I think could have been a really special moment. And then Beyonce do a
0: mashup of both of them.
1: <laughs> well, we can leave Beyonce out of it. It'd be a bit much to ask to do a full Destiny's Child song or a, a full uh, Beyonce moment. But mm. yeah, I think this should just played it. It sounds good. Well, I mean, but there's not many Coldplay songs that I would, I would advise Bono to sing in a live setting, but I think that would, he really could have got away with this.
0: Would you have kept it acapella though, or would you have said okay, right? We get the band, we'll do a proper version of this.
1: I think the one thing this show is, this set is missing to make it a proper U2 seem like a proper U2 gig, mm. is a small intimate edge and Bono bit at the end of the. Um, yeah, stay far away so close. T stage.
0: Yeah, but they they do
1: that. It's a full band, isn't it? Stay far away so close.
0: Uh, can't remember. Um, I think it is full band. I don't think it is. Shows shows how well we paid attention here that we we can disagree. Um, Yeah, fine. I mean, I, I would prefer that to Moment of Surrender. I, I like this version of Yellow. I think it's nice. I, I actually, I don't think they should have done it all of it, but I would much prefer them to do, yeah, a two-man version of Yellow than uh, Moment of Surrender, which I've just put How to Kill a Good Vibe Stone Dead.
1: Um, I actually really like this song in this setting, but i would have preferred yellow um i would have done a, a crowd pleaser anything anything yeah. that's a crowd pleaser this is not a crowd pleaser it's not no i understand why they they felt the need to play it because in case they do want to pick up any more record sales for no line on the horizon but play stuck in a moment play new year's day it's a, it's the penulti- penultimate song
0: yeah um as i i notice it every time atm machine unnecessary. Automatic teller machine is already what it means. It really is.
1: <laughs> I just I can't rate I can't wait to read
0: your memoirs <laughs> and then I'll rate them. Just me being a pedantic idiot about what people actually really like. Um the, the yeah, the thing the thing with moment of surrender is they've already had the stay moment, they've already had, you know, the the chanting. They don't need to try and recreate that with a long practically unknown to a non-U2 audience song. And I'd say it's still a bit divisive, even in the people who like U2's community. I know that some people love this song, and for them, I'm you know I'm, I'm happy for them that they had a nice time at Glastonbury seeing this song. It's dull, it goes on for ages, it's derivative, and it, it kills the vibe, Stone Dead. I would have just gone with or without you straight into out of control, or yeah. chuck something else in that, uh, that I can't think of at the moment. Um so like in a moment, that would be nice. So that's a better moment based song. Yeah. Yeah. And then finish on a high without a control. Anything yeah, more to say? I'm just trying to think of other songs
1: that I would have preferred, like from U2's canon. Um Desire would have been great.
0: A bit weird to be picking I mean, they're clearly trying to go into like a reflective territory at this at this point. Well you know BB King was on the pyramid stage I earlier. D- that. I did know that, yeah, yeah. So he could have popped in for When Love Comes to Town. I I don't think after the
1: Rattlin Hum tour and the Love Town tour, they don't I don't think they ever did perform together.
0: Well, it's, it's weird that they missed that opportunity, but uh, maybe BB had to get home for something. Maybe he was,
1: I'd, lo- I'd, TV I'd it would have been so good to bring out BB.
0: Yeah. I think that's one thing that they're missing here. They're missing that you two are able to pull the strings and have all the contact uh, contacts that they want. Why not get Magpie Martin and BB King to come out? Not for the same song, but you know, get, get people out, have that opportunity. Do you think cause
1: people would have said, Oh, well, uh, they need, they needed all these people to play that show. But BB King Don't. is an established part of U2's history.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that would have that would have sent the crowd wild, to be honest. And he, the fact that he played earlier that day, I think people would have on the same bill, people yeah. would have been excited for it.
1: People, people, at Glastonbury love music legends. Yeah, it That's doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are or what you. Do. If you if you're a name, mm. then they're gonna they're gonna love you.
0: I think I would have brought him out actually just after Pride when the crowd is like really up for stuff. Mm. And they're in that era ish, you know, that kind of late 80s sort of era. Um and yeah, bit of a bit of a lull. i we got a very special guest now. Here he comes out, BB King, you know, he comes out and you know, guitar miles away from his <laughs> from his hands because his stomach. And yeah. Where's BB? Yeah, and then um, when love comes down, hitting that in, and then and then after that, then take it down a bit. <laughs> that would have been so cool, Robin. Really, really bloody moment been.
1: of surrender. It would have been awesome. Yeah.
0: Why why don't they employ us? Well, uh maybe because we are out of control, Tyler, with our opinions. Oh, do you know what? That's that's track nineteen. Well, knock me down with a feather. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh I feel like Bono's voice is great here. Um Yeah,
1: it really it really is good.
0: And it feels like they're still seeking the validation of the crowd, but in a good way. I think they're they're like, you know, trying to get the crowd to be on board with them. Um Bono's voice sounds good, but and i'll say this for the final time this is a good version of a song that they've done better elsewhere and if you want an iconic version of this song go to some of the earlier gigs where they're still finding their feet with it go to slain where it's an incredible moment you know it's one of those big live moments you know father i need a than 500 pounds and all that other kind of stuff there's a story being told there this is a right let's do our control middle bit I was like, oh, tell you what, we're a bit out of control. Anyway, out of control, oh, finish. You know, it's it's a it's a very it's a curtailed version of what could have been a great moment. But there we go. Yeah, um,
1: great song again. Just the set list is so weird.
0: Yeah, I don't the, know who's pleasing.
1: There are so few songs I feel that are in the right place. Not that you need to tell a story, but just to keep the momentum going. Mm. Um. Bono's voice is great. Edge is on fire. I think all night. Adam looks like a chocolate bar, a white chocolate bar, mm.
0: caramel.
1: And Larry looks great and yeah. and sounds great. And mm-hmm. it was it it was a good show, but it was all wrong.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the impression I get of it overall. I think it's to the question: Did you two play Glastonbury well? I would say it depends who you are. If you were someone who who'd, who'd Stumbled upon it. I think you would have had a great time, as in no no knowledge really of them apart from the big hits. You know, like, oh, that's that one song. Oh, oh yeah, beautiful Day, I saw that on the Premiership. I think you would have had a good night. If I, if who is this person? Just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just just a general person who doesn't like know you two particularly well. Just yeah. a barber Clive, a Dennis, anyone, right? And so, someone who is expecting you two to do something. Iconic and memorable in the vein of PopMart or Zoo TV, you're going to be disappointed with this. Um, Yeah, it's it's disappointing to me as a gig, and I think they were thrown off by quite a few things. It's weird that when I first saw this, I was quite pumped for it. I thought, oh, they played it really well. Mm. Every time I watch the show, it gets worse for me. (laughs) So I probably shouldn't watch (laughs) it. I I think
1: I've watched it less than you. Mm. Um, Maybe I've probably this
0: is my fourth viewing of it.
1: I've seen it less than five. Times so round about four. <laughs> well, I don't know. One, oh, three, no, uh, more than three.
0: Yeah, same number of members as there are on YouTube around that, <laughs> that region. Yeah.
1: Uh, do you have a sweetest thing for this?
0: Uh, yeah, get on your boots. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, they knocked it out of the park. Loved it. Um, difficult one. I think I'm gonna go with until the
1: end of the world, really. There's a lot of really nice moments, um, but until the end of the world, I felt like there was a little victory scored. Then mm. I feel like they they knocked down a wall. Certainly, um, well, overall, would you have if you had? Are we not st-
0: doing dirty days. Oh, dirty day! Go on. Uh, mine is moment of surrender. Predictably.
1: Yeah, it's got to be moment of surrender. Yep,
0: moment it, of boredom. It,
1: it just seemed odd. Um, if you still had a mystery ticket, uh, a magic ticket, would you? <laughs> Would you be tempted to use it for this Absolutely show?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I was—I basically saw it anyway as it went out, so I got the rush of this is live and we, we, in the comfort of yeah. my own home. So and I, it still wasn't that great. So definitely not. No. Glad you asked, though, because it's funny, but yeah, continuity. Obviously not. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, and if people have enjoyed this, obviously you can check out all of our. Um, discussions, much more favourable discussions, I will say, of yeah. all of their live stuff. And um, if you went
1: to Glastonbury, then please, you had a great time. Yeah, please let us know what it was like. How, have we got this completely wrong? Would our opinions be totally different if we had seen it live? I imagine they might be.
0: The sound would be better, yeah. and that's a big that's a big thing. Because I've complained so many times about when well, I don't think that sounds particularly right. That this sounds a bit off. Obviously, gigs are totally different live to how you see them, and. There's been so many gigs I've been to where I've just stood in a different place to someone and I've been coming out and they've said, what did you think? I've got the sound was incredible. And they've said, the sound was terrible. It, it's, it can be something as small as, as... Sometimes you can actually be stood too far forward. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I think all of my teenage gigs, when I went to see a band, it was always just that very... Um, juvenile thing of I need to be as close as possible. Yeah, which led to uh, our friend Vinny who sometimes appears on the podcast, passing out during a, a, a Queen's of Stone Age gig because he was dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember uh, the first time I saw the catfish on the bottom man. I would, we were round towards the right of the stage, mm. and the sound just wasn't right. And my mates went, "Where are you going?" And I said, oh, "I'm just, I'm going to go to the back and see what it's like at the back." Mm. Because I needed to be somewhat central.
0: Famously, near the soundboard is meant to be the best place. I don't know if that's apocryphal. Well, that's where it's
1: aimed at, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess so. Um, and, and the sound was great. It's just that we were just getting, like, you know, one side of the speakers. It was mm. like having one side of your headphone broke. All the
0: bottle and none of the catfish.
1: All the bottle and none of the men, unfortunately. <laughs> um, anyway, so there we go. That was U2 Live at Glastonbury 2011. A gig I imagine they'll never do again.
0: Well, hopefully but, they won't do that set list If they do do it, uh, maybe they will. Maybe they will.
1: What's next for you two? What's next for review two? Who knows? Um, Actually, this... what what
0: do you think is next for, you, for for you two? I mean, like we've not, we've, I've not planned this to have a discussion with Tyler about this, but I think it's worth having a at least a couple of predictions if this is our last episode. Just chucking them out because then we can see if we were right or not. The
1: rumor mill is that they're working on some kind of new version of Actung Baby. Like, I don't know if it's going to be an acoustic album yeah. or. You know, just different versions. Who knows, maybe some of them will be acoustic, some of them might be more... I think they were going uh, to mess
0: around with tempos as well, maybe slowing some down, speeding some up. You need to change keys because Bonner's voice has changed. Yeah, which which I think is is interesting. I think they might be taking some of the songs and thinking, this was one iteration, can we... Like, you know, an acoustic strip-back version of Acrobat, for example, might be interesting.
1: We recently listened to all the baby versions of the acting baby tunes, which was kind of like the demo versions of the tracks. Do you remember that? Not really. In <laughs> the kindergarten version, it's from the Uber Deluxe box set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, there's some int- a lot of interesting stuff there. Sometimes the songs are harder, sometimes the songs are softer mm. compared to what turned up on Acton baby. So I think that's that's going to happen. Um, I think an album's a long way off.
0: I'm not sure it is. I mean, I know that sounds mental because like usually we... Whenever you two say like, oh, we've, we've recorded this many songs, it's just around the corner, and then you, you look at your watch and three years goes past.
1: Well, it's four years since Experience.
0: Yeah, and if I and mean, they had a lot of stuff. I mean, talking about songs of ascent for so long. The thing is, though, I don't think you two are a band who are able not to respond to world events, like for example, a global pandemic. I think they have to respond to that as a band. I just think they're not capable of. I think
1: by the time they they choose to respond to it, sometimes it's too late.
0: Yes, and I don't. What I'm saying is, I don't. I please do not want a really topical based um, album. I think they actually they responded to Trump quite well by alluding to it, but not being like direct about it. If you know what I mean, I think that that was good because it really dates your work. It makes it too stuck in one particular moment, so to speak, and it. It can make it sound a bit bit rubbish. I don't want them to do a COVID album. Actually, I think there's going to be some very very bad art done because of the pandemic. There's going to be loads of really bad COVID novels, really bad COVID poetry. Some of which I've tried to write myself. Awful. Um, and I, think... I mean,
1: your pre-COVID stuff wasn't that good. I
0: mean. <laughs> yeah, but the other stuff was even worse. I think they will have it will have some effect on their album going forward. But I think they might be able to do that positively. I just want to see him do something interesting and energised. Please, let's let's leave back now the U2 that's desperate to do the kind of overproduced aiming at a sort of teen market stuff that I think some of the stuff in the past five years has tried to be. Um, I mean, broadly speaking, like that World Cup song, for example, for that audience and for that particular role, fine, it was good but I really don't want to hear an album full of Euro that sort of song. stuff. Yeah, the Euro song. Let's say yeah. World Cup. Yeah. Whatever. I, I don't know about football. Soccer. Soccer ball. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about that, okay? But but I just... I, I don't want to put a U2 album on and have that sort of slick, overproduced, let's stay in the middle road sort of stuff. I want to do something interesting, even if that means that they end up making fools of themselves a bit. Who cares at this point? You, know, you yeah. played Glastonbury, for God's sake, and you did that <laughs> passively, so, you know... <laughs>
1: No, um, I don't know what's next. I, I think more so than any other time, in my YouTube fandom, I gen, I genuinely don't know what's next. Um, I think a tour's a long way off. Mm. So,
0: do you reckon Adam would have a shave and cut his hair, or do you reckon he would come out looking like Gandalf? I'd love it. I he-
1: think whatever Adam chooses to do, he's gonna look cool.
0: Yes, he will. He will. I just think, just for my preference, I want a live DVD, because it has been so many different iterations of Adam. Yeah. I just want one where he does look like... I mean, come out in the kimono, go full Gandalf on this one. It'd be great. Next, next, like, live DVD. No. I'd also love the next DVD to, to not be looking backwards. I don't want the Acton Baby Zoo TV rehash. I don't think it's necessary.
1: No, I wouldn't mind the Joshua Tree DVD eventually.
0: Yeah, when's that going to happen?
1: Who knows? But, uh, there you go. Um... Once again, thank you very much for listening. Maybe this is it. And if it is, thank you very much for the last 5 years. It really has meant a lot to us. But we'll see. And if we do come back, you will just follow us on Twitter and we'll tell you first of all on the. Mm-hmm. Um
0: it's been a long way since we were both <laughs> sat around a well two microphones that were on one stand with sellotape wrapped around them yeah saying getting angry at each other and thinking this is not going to fly this isn't going to work and the even earlier iteration of review two which is just me and tyler drinking whiskey banging on about you two while i put my webcam on and offering absolutely incoherent nonsense opinions a lot of which have stayed in the show Um, (laughs) yeah yeah so and i feel like we've we've definitely come on a long journey and it's been really really fun and I'm, I'm thank you Tyler for joining me in that journey and thank you to you guys for listening at home
1: well me, uh, myself and Johnny started working on projects when I was 14 years old and I'm now very nearly 31 so I imagine we'll do something next something else mm-hmm. but right now it feels like Review 2 has got to a very natural maybe long and drawn out end mm-hmm. um, so most importantly we just want to say thank you very much And hopefully we'll see you down the line with whatever we do next. See you soon. See you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the U2 podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 to you. For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler.